Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Good morning. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor, and uh, if you're here for the first time, we want you to know that uh, we exist to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. And uh, before we get to the message this morning, I want to acknowledge that it's a particularly special weekend uh, as Americans. We have two holidays every year when we acknowledge those who have served in the military. Veterans Day, of course, is in November, and that's a time when we say thank you to those who served or are serving. But Memorial Day weekend, which is this weekend, of course, is, is a more somber uh, occasion. It's when we remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice, their lives in service, so that we can do what I'm doing right now, stand up and speak freely um, and do so many other things that we take for granted as Americans, which people around the world do not. I, I, don't, I don't take it lightly that I have the freedoms I have because of the places I travel in the world where those freedoms are not available. So um, we're going to take a time of prayer, but before we do that, I I've been following some of the articles that have been in the Butler Eagle this week. I know I'm probably one of the six people that still read a newspaper in the, in the room. But, but anyway, um, there was an article that particularly touched me uh, about a, it was about a little boy who was six months old when his dad went off on a, a mission uh, in a submarine. And uh, the little boy never saw his dad. I mean, he was six months old, so he doesn't remember anything about his dad because the submarine went down. And, uh, and so for 50 years now, uh, he has lived without his dad. And uh, the interesting thing to me about the article, two things. One was that uh, his mom and other family members say he's just like his dad, even though he's never around his dad, which shows, I guess, how much genetics has to play in our personalities and things like that. But the second thing was that he said it was very hard to talk about um, his dad. And I mean, when people brought it up, he just didn't want to talk about it. He, he lost his dad and it was a very hard thing to deal with, but he became a blues bass player in a blues band. And he started going to veterans groups. And when he did that and people uh, who were there would come up and talk to him, he found it more comfortable to talk about the situation um, with the people who had also lost loved ones who had served. And, and so it was sort of one of those things where, again, those of us who have never lost a loved one who served in the military, we can't totally, we can, we can sympathize, but we can't empathize. We can't feel what they feel. And, and I was sympathizing with that story because I have not lost a loved one uh, who served in the military, but maybe you in the room have or watching online you have. So we thank you uh, for, um, that's also a great sacrifice um, that you, you've endured. And so let's take a time now and pray and give thanks to God uh, for many things, but particularly this morning for those who have served and given the ultimate sacrifice so that we can enjoy our freedom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much, first of all, for the freedom we have in Jesus, but we thank you for this nation of America in which we live and, and where we enjoy so many freedoms. And God, we pray for those uh, in all the branches of the military, from the Revolutionary War forward, God, who have served and who have given their lives so that we can know freedom and continue to know it. God, we pray for those who are serving today in the military that you would protect them and watch over them. And we pray for families who are still um, living through the results of having lost a loved one. We pray for your comfort and your peace in their lives. God, we, we thank you most of all for Jesus and the great sacrifice
that he made, shedding his innocent blood on the cross so that we can have the freedom from sin and death uh, that you desire for us and so that we can have lives of abundance. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So today we're finishing up a series, as you saw if you were here for the first time on the screen, it's called Changes That Heal. And uh, throughout the series, uh, we've focused on what it means to become mature, to become adults, to grow up. And uh, one of the things that we've been saying throughout the whole series is that healthy, thing, healthy people grow, that growing people change, and changed people change eternity for others. And uh, that's in your outline. Again, if you're new, we have an outline pretty much every week inside your connection. Um, and if you want to get that out and follow along, uh, you're welcome to do that, encouraged to do that. Uh, the palest ink is better than the best memory. I didn't make up that statement. It's an ch- ancient Chinese proverb. Um, if you don't want to follow along, that's also fine. Hopefully you'll at least listen along. Anyway, uh, and uh, as we finish up this series, I'm going to take the four uh, topics that we talked about so far and show how they're supposed to come together to produce a spiritually mature adult. So uh, let's look at what it means to be a spiritually mature adult. The Apostle Paul gave us a pretty good definition of that in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. So it says this. It was he, that is Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And here it is. And become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, the goal of our lives is to become like Jesus in maturity. Now, if you're a parent, uh, you might think, uh, as many parents do think, that the goal of, of being a good parent is to have good children. Now, it is a blessing when we have good children, but that is not the goal of parenting. The ultimate goal of parenting is that our children will grow up to be mature men and women who think for themselves, act for themselves, are intentional and conscious in all of these things. Now, what we find is, if we've been parents, that it's a very challenging process. And if we do the parenting process effectively, one of the disturbing things is that our children actually do grow up and think for themselves and they make some choices sometimes that we wish they didn't, you know, that we wouldn't have made for them. So Dr. Henry Cloud, who is the man who wrote the book Changes That Heal, upon which much of what we've been talking about is based, um, obviously primarily based on Scripture, but uh, he said this about what it means to be an adult. Here's the definition. Becoming an adult is the process of moving out of a one-up, one-down relationship and into a peer relationship to other adults. We all start in a, out in a one-down relationship. That is, as children, we're looking up at adults, literally and figuratively, because they are superior over us. We, we depend on adults for our survival at first, and the goal is to grow up one day so that adults, as adults, we will be peers with other adults. Now, um, one of the things that I want to do is sort of summarize, for those of you who might be here for the first time, watching online for the first time, the first four weeks, the, the, the points that we made, each of which are sort of building blocks to becoming spiritually and emotionally mature adults, are this. Uh, we, we see that the essential ingredients for growth, healing in our lives, spiritually and emotionally, are number one, forgiveness. Number two, connecting with others in healthy ways. So developing relationships or bonding with others in healthy ways. Number three, separating from others and establishing healthy boundaries. And in 
the context of this series, we've talked about separating and putting Jesus first, which causes other boundaries to exist among other people. And then finally, last week, Pastor Brad talked about sorting out good and bad through the exercise of grace and truth. And as we learn those lessons in our lives, we grow up and become mature adults. Now, we depend on our parents and other adults for these lessons in forgiveness and love, grace and truth, and all the, in connecting and in separating. All of these things, we depend on adults. And our parents, the first adults that are in our lives, weren't perfect. And if we're parents, we aren't perfect. So that means we all have some challenges, some you know, roadblocks along the way to becoming a mature adult. And, and what we're going to talk about this morning is how we actually do it. And the take-home point is the key. The take-home point, for those of you who are new, is the one point I hope that you'll take home. You'll pray about it, think about it, and apply it in the week ahead. And so here it is. Following Jesus' plan, you know, not following our parents' plan, not following our own plan, but not following somebody else's plan, but following Jesus' plan results in a life of humble confidence. Humble confidence. Now, those two words seem to be opposite. They don't seem to go together. In fact, most people wouldn't put humble and confident in the same sentence, probably, as, as something that supports each other. But humility is being modest. It's not being proud or arrogant. Confident is being sure of oneself, which is why we ordinarily wouldn't put those together. But when Jesus Christ becomes Lord in our life, when he saves us from sin and death, the first thing that happens is it humbles us. Because we realized that we're not all that. We thought we were, and then we realized that we needed somebody. In fact, we were lost without him. But at the same time, what it does, it gives us confidence that whatever situation we're going to face in life, we don't have to worry or be afraid because God is with us. So that's where humble and confident come together in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what it looks like to be a mature adult. So let's go back to Dr. Cloud's definition of becoming an adult. He says that becoming an adult is moving out of that one-down-one-up relationship into a peer relationship with other adults. And we make that move specifically when we understand that even though our parents don't do it perfectly, they have a, a, a way of approximating the love of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, and showing us the truth. But we're going to have to keep coming back to Jesus' plan is the best plan. I'm, I've said it twice. I'm going to probably say it again. Jesus has a plan for us, and his plan is always the best. When I first started out in the ministry, which is now 34 years ago, I used to get this magazine. It's called Leadership, and it's a Christian magazine. And one of the things I liked about the magazine was the cartoons. I don't know how many of you like cartoons in the magazines you get, but they had cartoons that related to ministry. And I'll never forget one of the very first magazines, one of the very first cartoons. It stayed with me for 34 years, so it made an impact. It had a pastor sitting on his couch, and his calendar, that's how old it was. It was actually a calendar, not a, you know, an iPad or some other kind of thing. But it was a calendar, was laying in his lap. And his wife was looking over his shoulder, and she said, God loves you, and everyone else has a wonderful plan for your life. Now, the reason that's funny if you're a pastor is because Bill Bright came up with four spiritual laws, and the first one is God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. But she said God loves you and everyone else has a wonderful plan for your life. And we know that, don't we? That even though God has a plan for us, our wife or our husband has a plan for us, our children has a plan for us, our boss has a plan for us, our school teacher, everybody has a plan for us. And we're supposed to fit that into our life. But if we're going to be spiritually mature adults, we have to start with God's plan for us 
and not somebody else's plan for us. And that's especially true if we live in American culture in the 21st century. Because if you look around in the culture, there are not a lot of people, there are not a lot of examples showing us what it means to receive the forgiveness of Jesus, to connect in healthy ways with God and others, to separate out and have healthy boundaries, or even to know the difference between good and evil. Think about it. When you turn on the television or when you play a video game or watch a sporting contest or get on social media, where are the examples to emulate when it comes to those things? Forgiveness, connecting in healthy ways, when it comes to separating and having boundaries. Or, or knowing the difference between good and evil. We, we don't see a lot of that. In fact, one of the things that, that I perceive is, you know, life is going by at 100 miles an hour, right? And as it's going by, technology is supposed to slow it down, make it simpler, technology, media, all of those things. But as we get the messages from technology and media, most of the messages are saying, enjoy yourself, do whatever feels good, do what's going to make you happy now. And Pastor Mark often talks about that as a 15-minute decision. You know, 15-minute decisions and 15-year decisions. He talks about that a lot. 15-minute decisions are those decisions we make that feel good for 15 minutes. They might even feel good for a few hours. But afterwards, there's a consequence that we bear that we didn't think was going to happen. And, of course, a 15-year decision is one that's going to make us feel good in 15 years. Now, the reason why 15-minute decisions feel better is because there's an immediate reward. I was at Kennywood on Thursday with the, um, the chorus trip uh, with Yumiko, and I saw this kid wearing a T-shirt that summed up this 15-minute philosophy. It said, hard work pays off in the long run. Laziness pays off now. And, and you know, it, it does. Being lazy feels good right now. But down the road, not so much. And so a lot of addictions occur because of 15-minute decisions. You know, what could it hurt to get drunk this one time? What could it hurt to try this drug? What could it hurt to watch that video? That's a 15-minute decision. Feels good. And then down the road. But 15-year decisions are things like studying every day instead of waiting till the last minute to cram. You know, if you study every day, it's an interesting thing. You learn a material. If you cram at the last minute, you learn the material for 12 minutes so you can take the test and then you forget. Or, or another one in this culture that's very rarely practiced is reserving sexual expression for the bonds of marriage rather than practicing it anytime you want to. That's a 15-year decision. Actually, it's a lifetime-long decision that, that not that many people are making these days. So whether we go with 15-minute or 15-year decisions is going to determine whether we become spiritually and emotionally mature adults, healthy adults, or whether we remain children. And that is very, very important for us to understand. If the goal is to become a spiritually mature adult, we can only get there through 15-year decisions, not through 15-minute ones. I would say perhaps the best example in the New Testament, at least, of a person who became a spiritually mature adult other than Jesus is the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul didn't start out as a spiritually and emotionally healthy adult. In fact, he was confident, but he wasn't humbly confident. He was just confident. He was confident that God was telling him to destroy the church. Think about that. Paul's mission in life was to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. He had decided that Jesus was a false prophet, and so he went everywhere he could trying to destroy the church. If you had sat down and had an interview with Paul in those days, he was called Saul back then, and you said, Saul, do you think that you have received the forgiveness of God in your life? He would have said yes. 
Have you connected with God in a healthy way and with other people? Sure. Have you separated off and established healthy boundaries in your life? Of course I have. Well, do you know the difference between good and evil? And Paul would have said, you better believe I do. Paul was confident, and actually he was arrogant, because he believed that he was right. And then one day he met Jesus face to face in a vision, and that transformed his life. It changed him from the inside out, and he started growing in different ways. And the reason I bring up Paul's past is because we all have a past. None of us started out as spiritually and emotionally healthy adults. We start, all started out as children, and we actually all started out as sinful children because that's the nature of being born into a fallen world. And so if we want to grow up, we're going to have to deal with our past and move into the present and then trust God for that present and into the future as the Apostle Paul did. So Paul's life changed radically, and he became humble and confident. Because of the saving power of God in Jesus Christ. And that's our goal here today, is that we would do the very same thing. Now, Paul was probably one of the clearest expressions ever that healthy people grow. Because once he became healthy, a relationship with Jesus Christ, he started to grow. That growing people change, and change people change eternity for others. Because he started to tell people everywhere in his world about Jesus. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a passage of Scripture from the Apostle Paul's life. It's a difficult passage of Scripture. It's a time when Paul met with the Ephesian elders for the very last time. Now, if you knew that you were going to meet with somebody you cared about for the very last time, you probably wouldn't talk about the weather or the pirates. You would probably talk about something very serious. And that's what happens here. So we're going to see Paul talking with these leaders who he wants to make sure lead the church effectively once he is gone because he knows he's never going to see them again. Before we get to that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and love. We thank you so much for the Apostle Paul, for how you transformed his life and how that transformation led to uh, changed eternity for thousands and thousands of people. And today, God, as we read your word, as we read this interaction between Paul and the Ephesian elders, we pray that your Holy Spirit will connect with our spirit so that we can learn one thing that we can do to grow up, to be a little bit more like you, a little bit more like Jesus. We ask this prayer in his name. Amen. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, it's Acts chapter 20, as I said. We're going to start in verse 16. It will also be up on the screen. It said, Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus, for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of Pentecost. But when we landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. So Paul had a clear plan and a clear purpose from Jesus. Now, Jesus hadn't you know, sent him an itinerary and said, here, go to, go to Miletus and then go to Jerusalem. But what Paul knew from Jesus was that he was supposed to go everywhere he went to share the good news, the salvation of Jesus Christ, to establish churches in places where the people responded, and then to move on to the next place. Paul's goal to go to Jerusalem for Pentecost was quite strategic. Paul knew that in On the day of Pentecost, the festival of Pentecost, there would be thousands of Jews from all over the world gathered there. Now, Jesus had used a particular Pentecost many years before this to take um, the Holy Spirit and send the Holy Spirit to 120 believers, the apostles who had walked and lived with Jesus and others who had lived with Jesus after Jesus' resurrection and return to heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit to these 120 
And they started the church by sharing the gospel with those thousands of Jews who had gathered from all over the world. Now, either Paul was not there on that Pentecost or he rejected Peter's message, but he did not become a believer in Jesus Christ on that Pentecost. But sometime between that one and the one that was coming up, he had met Jesus personally. As I said, his name was Saul at the time, and it transformed him from the inside out. And now he was going everywhere he could to share the good news of Jesus, to start churches, and so he wanted to go to Jerusalem. What Paul didn't know is that when he got to Jerusalem, he would be arrested, and that as a result of that arrest, he would be imprisoned for a number of years, ultimately end up in Rome, where he was going to be martyred for his faith. What he knew was that he wanted to see these elders for the very last time so he could instruct them further on how they could lead their church effectively. So this is what happened next. It says, when they, that is the elders from the church in Ephesus, arrived, Paul declared, you know that from the day I set forth in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Gentiles or Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. So Paul reminded the elders first of his work among them. He had come in and established the truth of the gospel. He had established the church in Ephesus. They had become leaders, and he said he did this with tears and suffering because he was always in danger from the plots of the Jews. Now, if we follow Jesus, here's something that we can count on. One sign of following Jesus' plan for our lives is those who aren't following Jesus will seek to block our plans. Now, it probably won't be as severe as what Paul experienced. The Jews wanted to imprison Paul and kill him. They wanted to stop him just as Paul had wanted to stop the early church. Now, he was part of the early church, and so the Jews wanted to wipe him out because he was proclaiming the truth of Jesus. Now, in 21st century America, people aren't really plotting against us very much. They're not trying to stomp us out. But here's what happened. The people that are making 15-minute decisions... They're not very strategic. They're not trying to figure out how to stop us, but they just want us to join them, right? If you're making a 15-minute decision, it's fun to have more people making 15-minute decisions with you. So they're going to try to distract us. And then there's a whole group of other people who are making long-term decisions, but their decisions are to make a political agenda move forward or to make a social agenda move forward or to become rich and famous or just rich. And they're going to say, why not pursue this plan instead of Jesus' plan because this plan is, in the, even in the long term, it's more rewarding now. And so there's a lot of distraction, probably not a lot of people out there plotting to really stop us from following Jesus. Paul made it clear to the Ephesian leaders that he had always spoken the truth in love, that he had always offered grace and truth to them. He didn't say it in those words. What he said is, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear. In other words, I told you the truth. I didn't hesitate to tell you the truth. So Paul tells us that he did that publicly and from house to house. If you have your Bible open, Acts 2020, 2020, like 2020 vision, clear vision, right? Acts 2020 is Paul's vision for how he spread the gospel. He would go public. So he would go to the synagogue if they would let him in to preach, where there's a lot of people gathered to worship. Or if they wouldn't, he would just go out in the street corners and he would preach. And if a crowd gathered, he would tell them about Jesus. And when anybody responded to the gospel, he would, out of the love of Jesus, he would take that group and he would go to their homes. 
And he would share the truth with them. And he would share how you follow Jesus. And out of those little small groups became more small groups and eventually a church. And so Paul's, Paul's method, his vision was large group meetings, small group meetings. Does that sound familiar? I hope it does. Because here at New Life, we have large group meetings on the weekend. And then through the week, we have small group meetings where people gather together to learn and grow in their faith. That's where we got the idea from the Apostle Paul. Paul reminded the Ephesian leaders he only had one message. It didn't matter whether the audience was Jews or Greeks, that is Gentiles, non-Jews. He said the same thing. They needed to repent of their sin, right? And uh, turn to God and have faith in our Lord Jesus. So in other words, if this is sin, darkness represents sin in the Bible. So I'm walking into sin. If this is where I am, I need to turn around. I need to repent. So that's what I mean. Repent means turn around. I turn around, turn back to God. And I need to turn to Jesus and have faith in him as Lord. So that's the message that Paul preached. It's it's the same message we preach here at New Life. It's never changed. Repent from your sin, return to God, and have faith in our Lord Jesus. That message will always be the message we have here at New Life. And it's always the message that causes people's lives to, first of all, be transformed, then to grow so that we can help other people grow and change their eternity as well. So Paul says next, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work that assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Wow, that takes a lot of maturity to say that, I don't care if I go to jail. I don't care if I suffer. I am going to preach the gospel because that is why I live. I live to share the gospel. In fact, in the Philippian letter that Paul wrote in verse, chapter 1, verse 21, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He actually believed if he died, he goes to heaven, so that's gain, right? So Paul's understanding was so mature that he was willing to do whatever it took even if it meant imprisonment or death, to share the gospel. Now, Paul shared the gospel everywhere he went. He did it full time, except when he ran out of money. And then he became a tent maker again. That was his job. He made tents. And he would work long enough to make enough money that he could share the gospel with people freely. That's the key. In fact, we find in the Philippian letter that the Philippian church actually gave Paul money so that he could share the gospel full time without having to do tent making. So Paul's attitude was everybody should hear the gospel and they should hear it freely. You shouldn't have to pay to hear the gospel. And that principle is still sound. The principle is that people will believe our message more easily when we offer it for free. People will believe our message more readily when we offer it for free, right? So here I am. I'm a a full-time preacher of the gospel. This year, Lord willing, I will be going to Cambodia three times. I've already been to Cuba. I spent a lot, time, a lot of time in Butler County, Pennsylvania, and Allegheny County sharing the gospel. And I don't have to have a job tent making or carpentry or whatever it might be um, because I am freed up by this church family to share the gospel. Now, Lord willing, on June the 27th of this year, just next month, um, actually, this is the 27th, one month from today, I will be in Cambodia, and I will be talking to hundreds of Buddhists about a vocational training center that is theirs. And what I will say is because there is a God in heaven who loves you, 
And because his son Jesus died for you, we are blessing you with this vocational training school so that your children do not have to end up in Thailand. And they will know what that means. Their children won't end up being trafficked because they will have a vocation, whether it be an electrician or a small engine repair or computer science or better agricultural methods. They will hear blessing, and they might not believe that there's a God in heaven yet. They might not believe that Jesus died for them yet, but they will believe there's a blessing. You know why? Because they don't have to pay for it. Because you all, because of your love for Jesus, you all and me, we have given money so that that school could be built free of charge to them, not free of charge to us. We paid for every penny of the $132,000. So if you're here for the first time today or you're here for the hundredth time and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, when the offering plate goes by later on in the service, please don't feel like you have to put anything in there. We want you to understand you're not paying to hear this message. You're not paying to hear the, the band play the wonderful worship music that they play. That is a gift that we want to give to everybody who hears it. Those of us in the room who have already understood the salvation that comes from Jesus Christ, we understand that every blessing in our past, our present, and the blessings we'll receive in the future are all from God. We understand that Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. So as we grow and mature ourselves, then we are able to, to give more generously so that you can hear the message for free, so that the people in Cambodia can have that opportunity to see their children grow up and live a meaningful life. And oh, did I mention on the weekend that building will be a church? So they'll hear the gospel every single week. So that's important. So thank you for your generosity there. And thank you for making it possible for me not to have to make tents or buildings or whatever so that I can do that full time. Now, Paul's final words. These are the most powerful words because they're the last words. And here's what he says. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. Paul was an adult. He was a spiritually mature adult. And here's how we know that. Because mature leaders speak the truth in love. So no one misses the opportunity of salvation. Mature leaders speak the truth in love. So no one misses the opportunity of salvation. It would be far easier if when we gathered each week, we would sing a few happy songs. I would preach a little sermonette and then we would sing another happy song and then we would go back out into the world. But I learned a long time ago that sermonettes produce Christianettes. And our goal here is not to produce Christianettes. Our goal here is that every single person who comes to this place or listens online will hear the truth that there is a God who has a son named Jesus who died on the cross after living a perfect life to pay the penalty of our sins so that we can have a new life. And if we don't preach that message, then somebody is going to die and go to hell. And what Paul said here is nobody in the Ephesian church is going to go to hell because they didn't hear the truth because I told you the truth every time I talked. And here at New Life, we have five pastors who preach. We have Pastor Brad, Pastor Mark, Pastor Alex, Pastor uh, Barry, and me. And we know something very, very powerful, that one day we're going to stand in front of Jesus. And he's not going to say, well, <laughs> was every one of your sermons happy? He, he's not going to ask, you know, if the people always felt good. What he's going to ask is, did you speak the truth in love? 
And the reason I'm sitting down today, maybe you figured it out by now, but a couple weeks ago I sat down because I was not feeling well. This week I sat down because a couple weeks ago when I preached without sitting down, some of you said, you know, you're a lot less intimidating when you're sitting down. (laughs) You're a lot more engaging when you're sitting down. So I figured this is a pretty tough message, right? So maybe the loving thing to do would be to sit down instead of standing like this, right? Okay, so So now, you're never going to know whether I'm not feeling well or whether I'm wanting not to be intimidating or I just want to change it up when I'm sitting down, okay? But anyway, today, the reason I'm sitting down is because I'm one of you. I need Jesus as much as you do, probably more than some of you do. Um, But but the truth of the matter is, you're going to hear the truth of the matter every time you come to New Life, no matter how often it is. Every time you come here, you're going to hear that there's a God who loves you. So much that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and for my sins. And that he rose from the dead to show that power. And that he has a life that's more than just getting saved. Yes, Jesus died so we would get saved. But he died so that we would grow up. He died so that we would change from the inside out. So that we would be growing and healthy, right? So that we would be changed from the inside out so that we can change other people. Here's what happens when Jesus comes inside of us. We start to have the Holy Spirit in us and we start to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that won't be all at once in 100% form, but it will be there. And as we grow over time, we'll exhibit those traits more and more and more and less the sinful traits of our sinful nature. And that's what it means to be a spiritually mature adult, that we give up the 15-minute decisions and we go with the 15-year decisions, actually the eternal decisions. And as we do that, we live lives of humble confidence, we're humble because we know how far you know, we've come from. We know what we were. And we are confident because we know that the God of the universe loved us so much that if there was only one of us who needed salvation, he would have died for us. So that's the commitment for today, for this coming week. I will live in humble confidence as Jesus' servant this week. I will live in humble confidence as Jesus' servant this week. Now, we can't do that unless Jesus is Savior and Lord in our life. If you're here or listening online and you've never trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, today's the best day to do that. As I say so often, it's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple because Jesus told us that all we have to do is believe in him. Believe that he is Lord, which means owner of all that exists, including us. Believe that he died on the cross to save us from sin and death. And if we believe that and we repent and turn around and come back to Jesus in faith, we will have a new life. And at first, it might not look that much different from our old life. But over time, just like the little child becomes the adult, over time, spiritually, the little child becomes an adult. And we live in more and more of that humble confidence to his glory, not ours, to his honor and praise. And that's the life that we're going to tell you about every single time we get the opportunity to share the good news. Because the good news is... Not always easy. Sermonettes produce Christianettes. And we want to produce Christians. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much that you didn't want us to be happy so much as you wanted us to be alive. That you wanted us to be in relationship with you. That you wanted us to establish the boundaries 
that will keep us from the things that will ultimately destroy us, that you wanted us to know the difference between good and evil and not just know the difference, but live it out in the power of your Holy Spirit. Fill us anew and afresh, God, that we can bring you glory and honor today and every day, that we can live those lives of humble confidence, knowing, God, that we need you desperately and knowing that because you're in our lives, that there's no situation that we cannot overcome. God, thank you for that reality, that humble confidence that you give us through your son Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.